All right. Thank you, Waterlife Band. A little bit of small town from John Cougar Mellencamp. How many of you were in middle school or high school when that song came out? Oh, you're old too. All right. Yeah, I love that song. Always have loved that song. Uh, cool thing about that song, here's a little trivia for you. For those of you who are country music fans in the house, uh, the co-writer, the one who co-wrote that song with John Cougar Mellencamp was Kenny Chesney, believe it or not. So there's a little trivia for you. So never, you always learn something new when you come to Waterlife Church, right? But I love that song because that song, when John Cougar wrote that song years ago, uh, that's kind of an autobiographical song. He grew up in a small town in the Midwest, and he made it big, got popular, lived in the big city, but he returned to the small town. And I love that line in there. It's probably where they're going to bury me. He's deciding he's going to make his bed and live in a small town. I love that bridge part. I cannot forget from where it is that I come from. I can't forget the people who love me. I can be myself here in this small town. People let me be what? Just what I want to be. I love that about a small town. And you know, no matter who you are today or where you come from, as we sit here today, let's face it, we're in a small town. Caldwell County doesn't have big towns, right? And we like it that way. We like it that way. And you know, yeah, somebody, somebody likes it that way. All right. And that was my point today, because we're going to talk about small towns and, and how great they are to be in. But think about it, like, let me poll the audience real quick today. Like, how many of you grew up here in Caldwell County and you've never left? Awesome. These are the old school folks right here. All right. Now, how many of you grew up here and you left and you're the boomerang you returned? All right, there's some more. Good, good. And how many of you just, you just moved here? Maybe it's from a bigger town, other small towns, but we're here now. Yeah, that's awesome, you know. Wherever you are today, though, we are in a small town. And small towns have their pros and cons, just like any place we live. And a couple things I learned about in small towns early on were these ideas. Number one, everybody knows everybody. You ever notice that? Everybody knows everybody. That's kind of fun, you know. It makes it a little difficult when you're in a hurry and you got to run into the grocery store and you're like, oh my gosh, i got to put on my disguise because I'm going to have to have 10 conversations before I get out of the store. I mean, that can be a positive and negative. Another thing, everybody knows everything about everybody. How many of you know this to be true? And hey, students, this is why it will get back to your mama before you even get home what you did, right? You can do something Friday night, and it's going to be at home before, because everybody knows everything about everybody else. And here's another one. My goodness, everybody is related or connected to everybody, so don't say anything bad about anybody, right? Because that's somebody's meemaw. That's, you know, that's somebody's cousin. That's somebody that they worked with or went to school with. And, and those are great things, and, and sometimes eh, it can be a little difficult about living in a small town. But hey, I'm here to tell you, I believe a small town means a good life. I really do. I really do. I love living in a small town. Now, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, but properly West Columbia, South Carolina. It's the capital of the state, but West Columbia operated like a small town because you hear things about being a, a, on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, West Columbia was on the wrong side of the river. And it was a geographic barrier, but also an economic and kind of a social barrier. And so West Columbia kind of was kind of the poor stepchild kind of idea of Columbia. And it kind of lived over there and it operated like a small town. But since living, uh, leaving there back in 1993, I have pastored and been in small towns ever since. I've been in Forest City, North Carolina. I went to Gaffney, South Carolina, and then here to Lenore, North Carolina, where I've been the longest in my pastorates and hope to remain. And I love it here. I absolutely love it here. I think being in a small town is just great. I mean, think about it. I've got friends that don't agree with me, though. I've got friends that live in New York. I've got some friends in California. I've got friends in Atlanta, God help them, and friends in Charlotte. 
And, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, how do you live in that small town? I'm like, listen, dummy, you're driving an hour and a half to the work and an hour and a half home. You're spending three hours of your life every day in a car in traffic. I lose my mind at Smith's Crossroads, and it's just one light. I'd be in jail if I lived in Charlotte or Atlanta, you know. I literally have one stoplight on the way to work, and I usually get right through it. I have a two-minute commute. I love it. Two minutes. Biggest trouble I have are slow people driving in the fast lane on 321. That's my biggest problem. But that's minor compared to Charlotte and Atlanta. Agreed? And I love being able to look around at the mountains and the trees and all the beauty that's around us here in the mountains. I love that. I love I can leave work and get in my pickup truck, throw the mountain bike in the back of the pickup truck, and my dog, Roxy, my German shepherd who rides shotgun, and be in the Pisgah National Forest riding mountain bikes and running around God's creation in 15 minutes. Don't tell me this is a bad place to live. It's an awesome place. Heaven help, we've got a place called Happy Valley. Who wouldn't want to live there? No, I'd prefer Discouragement Meadow. That's where I want to live. Good grief. I mean, it's fantastic to live here. And see, I've got on a good authority that Jesus believes so. And the reason being for that is, did you know Jesus was from a small town? He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in a small town named Nazareth. And what's cool about that is there's this funny story in there where a guy named Philip tells this guy named Nathaniel, we have found the Messiah, he is Jesus of Nazareth. And the first thing Nathaniel says is, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? He had the big city mindset. And of course, we know something great came from Nazareth, didn't we? Our Savior and Lord came right out of a small town. And what's cool about that, he didn't leave the small town and never go back to it. He prioritized small towns as he traveled around from town to town preaching. He made an effort to intentionally go out and seek people in the small towns. Not only that, but he would always, when he went to the big town of like Jerusalem and he had to do work, he would then go out to a small town to rest and recuperate called Bethany. So if Jesus liked the small town, in good authority, we can love the small town, right? Come on, are you with me today? And that's what's cool about that, you know? And the thing I've probably appreciated more than anything about the small towns I've lived in were the small town values that I saw illustrated in those communities. And, and, you know, I love the values that I saw, you know, values like things like, uh, you know, you work hard, uh, you take care of your family, you be a responsible citizen, you know, that kind of thing. I think those are good things, you know, the kind of idea of faith playing a huge role in the community. There were churches all over the places, and the church's role was welcomed in the community, the churches participated in the community. Just like yesterday at the Caldwell Pregnancy Center, Walk for Life, watching churches from all around our community come out and be a part of that organization and, and work together. See, I think that's valuable. Another value I saw in the small towns that I've lived in has been the emphasis on family, emphasis on doing the right thing. And just being a good neighbor, right? Are you with me? And I think those are wonderful things. And that's one thing about a small town that's different sometimes than the big town. When there's a crisis, when somebody's in need, you ever notice how the small town rallies? And so there's a kid that has cancer and they're doing the benefit and the whole community comes out to support that. See, I think that's a wonderful thing. And see, there are people in our world that live in bigger towns that might look at us and say, oh, that's old-fashioned. That's not old-fashioned values. Those are God-fashioned values. And you see... The thing about God-fashioned values, Jesus' values, two things. They never go out of style because Jesus says, my word never will pass away. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the things that Jesus valued and prioritized, they're always going to be the main things in life. And ultimately, they bring the good life when we build on them. And how many of you want a good life? You know, there's the one person, I want the bad life. 
Yeah, we're praying for you, friend. We're really praying for you. No, we all want the good life, right? We do want the good life. And it reminds me of that, that commercial that used to play over and over when I was younger uh, in, the, in the 80s. And it was an old Milwaukee beer commercial. And some of you will remember this because you're old enough. But it was a funny commercial because it always was marketed towards men and manly men, right? They were always manly men doing as manly men should do, manly, dumb things that will land you in the hospital, right? And, and so they were always in flannel with bad mustaches. They looked like extras from the Dukes of Hazard, And they were always out hunting, fishing, riding airboats through the Everglades, climbing mountains, camping, whatever, riding RVs, you know, recreation vehicles or motorcycles. And then the thing always ended the same way. It would show them around a campfire. And everybody's sitting around there. They show the cooler of the beer, and everybody's eating food. And it's at the end of the day. They've had a hard day doing manly things. And you remember what they would say? Same thing every time. Man, life doesn't get any better than this. So y'all know it. You might have sampled their product. I don't know. But anyway, good grief. I mean, I remember thinking in that commercial, and I found it on YouTube, and I watched it again this week, and I chuckled, and I thought the same thing to then when I watched it this week than when I did years ago. Like, gosh, I sure hope it gets better than that. You know? I mean, I really hope it's better than eating burned food with no flavor, burned on the campfire with smelly guys uh, with scratchy flannel shirts. I mean, I hope life gets a little better than that. Agreed? Yeah, everybody wants the good life. And see, the thing about the good life, we all have a definition of what the good life is. And that definition of the good life comes from in here. It comes from our nature. And, and we have wired in us this thing called a sinful nature that says, it's about me and my needs and me first. And if I can get my needs prioritized and get what I want, then I'll have the good life. And, and we get that idea from in here, our nature, but also from our culture that tells us, well, you need a bigger this and a better that. You need a more expensive this and you need this. And, and you get all these things and you line them up, you're going to have what is determined to be the good life. But have you ever noticed, you know, for a lot of us, that definition of the good life, it doesn't produce the good life. It doesn't. I mean, think about it. You can take the advice of 80s rock band Loverboy and you can be working for the weekend. Well, you know what the problem is the weekend is? It ends. And you got more days in the week and if you're trying, you know, that's going to fall south. If you fall for the materialism thing and we fall for that and we got to get a better this and a newer this and we get more money. Look, I've never met anybody that's got to the end of that that says, whoo, you know what, I got enough. Have, have you? Nobody ever gets to the end of that thing because it can't produce the life we think it does. They can make some things easier. But it also complicates some things. Same thing. We think, well, you know what, if I can find the perfect job or the perfect relationship, and then, then I'll be having the good life. Well, guess what? If you can find the perfect job, if you can find the perfect relationship or the perfect church, don't join it because you're going to ruin it. <laughs> and I'll ruin it too, right? I mean, you know, I mean, but that's how we live. And we kind of live in this fantasy land that if we can get out there, it's just going to be the good life, you know? Well, everybody wants the good life. But I'm here to tell you, that's what this series is about, trying to learn what that really is about and what that looks like, because we've bought into a lot of stuff that doesn't produce the good life. But Jesus can help us, because Jesus knew how to live the good life, and he wants us to have the good life. He calls it the full life. And it's not a life with an absence of problems, but it is the best quality of life possible. And it's a life that's built on his values and prioritizing the things that he prioritized. And it's a life, as we're going to see today, that's found in walking with him. But what we're going to learn ultimately in this series that I'm excited to teach is this idea, that Jesus' values bring value to life. That when we can begin to build on the foundation of a relationship with Jesus, and we begin to begin to watch the things that he does and that he calls us to do, and we begin to build our life on those, like the, the smart carpenter, as it says in the Bible, that built his house on the rock. 
it brings incredible value to life. And today we're going to start by talking about the value number one that we cannot ignore and cannot miss. And it's this idea that Jesus invites us to walk with me, Jesus says, walk with me, to do life with me. And I'm here to tell you, if you've missed this point today in this series or in life in general, we've really missed it because this is what life ultimately is about. It is about doing life with the Savior of the world. The one who died for us, was buried, and rose again, invites us into life with him. And we're going to talk about that today by looking at a really, really famous thing that Jesus said a long time ago. And we're going to be in Matthew's gospel today. Matthew's guy wrote a little biography about Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 11, he put it this way. This is verse 28 through 30. And probably a lot of you notice, know this passage. You've probably heard this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Sounds good, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, how many of you have heard that before? Anybody heard that before? And it's okay if you haven't, you know, not everybody's heard this, but this is one of the really famous things that Jesus said. And today I want to use that to teach us this idea of what life is really about and what the foundation is, what we should build on. But I want to use the message version of the Bible today. And the message version reads very differently because it's a paraphrase. And a guy named Eugene Peterson was a pastor in the Northeast, and he was a great theologian, great Greek scholar. And he took 20 years to sit down and take the New Testament and to write it in language that people can understand. And so a paraphrase kind of expands on it a little bit, takes the original text, but tries to put it in our language. So it reads a little different, but the way he puts it is so beautiful and so wonderful and so life-changing if we can apply it today. And so he begins this way in the message version, verse 28, first part. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Now let me just start there. Some of you look tired, worn out, and burned out right now on something, right? Okay, sometimes we're like that in life, but Jesus sat down with people, and the deal that day was there were people that were just oppressed by the faith because they were burned out, worn out. They were tired from trying to find a relationship with God and trying to be good because it had become oppressive. The Jewish religious establishment of the day took 10 commandments and turned it into over 600, and you couldn't even come close to following it all. And so you just kept butting your head against it. And so those people, when Jesus gave that, asked them that question that day, there were people in the room that were very much burned out. And you know, maybe today there's some of us that are like that too. Maybe your own, only experience in church has been hellfire and damnation and somebody just giving you a list and you just keep falling short of the list. Well, if that's you today, I hope you'll lean in today because we're going to hear the real truth of what the good news of Jesus is all about and how life-changing it is. But I got a hunch today for a lot of us though, it may not be religion, but we're just tired, worn out, and burned out. Maybe it's from the pace of life. Maybe it's because our priorities are out of whack. Maybe it's because we bought into what our culture says life is about, and maybe it's just not working. Well, what we talk about today is so very, very important because what he says next is really great. He says, are you tired? You're worn out? You burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to me and get away with me. And look at this. You'll recover or you'll find life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And so at the end, he says, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, how many of you would like to say, sign me up for freely and lightly? Or do you prefer burdened and burned out? I mean, look at that. Wow, you know, you'll recover. You'll find your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. I mean, my goodness. Every single one of us would lean into that. And I hope we're leaning into today, because Jesus is going to tell us how that works. Because what you have to understand today and what I need to understand today is that the road to the good life begins with an invitation. It begins with an invitation. He says this, are you tired? 
Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Is that you? Is that me? Okay, well then here's the invitation. Come to what? To me. Say it with me. Come to who? To me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I don't know about you, but I am always awestruck by the idea that the God of the universe wants a relationship with us. You know, we stood outside at the church offices a few weeks ago looking like extras in the band Devo with our little glasses on looking at an eclipse. If you came by, we had our mouth open. You know, what are those dumb people doing? We're looking at the eclipse, you know. And I thought about that, you know, as it happened, and we were having to share our glasses because we only had two pairs, and we have more people at the office. So we'd share it and, you know, do this, and we'd take a look, and we'd look, and we watched how dark it got. And I thought about that. I'm like, wow, isn't that cool? The God who at the foundation of the earth set those planets in motion in specific speeds by gravitational pull and orbits knew that would happen that day. That's pretty big, isn't it? Or are you that smart? Are you not impressed? I'm impressed by God. You know, I was at the Coves yesterday for a wedding. That's the only way I get in there. They won't let me through the gate otherwise. Because that's what, but anyway, I'm up there at the wedding. And if you've ever been to that lodge up there, the view up there is unbelievable. You can see from Mount Mitchell's side all the way through Table Rock, Limble Gorge, Wilson Creek, all the way over to Grandfather and beyond. It's beautiful. And I'm like, that God wants to have a relationship with this flunky? I'm pretty awestruck by that, aren't you? I mean, see, this is what life is about. Do you realize we were created and put on this planet for a relationship with God? That's why we're here. People ask that question all the time. What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? To be in a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus did everything necessary to make it happen. Because here's the nuts and bolts, and I hope you'll lean into this because so many people get this wrong. You know, the reality in life is that we are created by God and put here on this earth, and we all have a problem, and it's called sin. Sin is still sin. And one sin or a billion sins, it all does the same thing. It separates us from the God who loves us. But the God who loves us decided he would step into the equation. And Jesus came, and as that song, Death Was Arrested, said a moment ago, he went to the cross, and he was buried, and he died for our sins, and he died once for all sins. And he paid for it in full that it might be taken away, and he rose again on the third day. And then he says to us, here's your invitation, come to me. Come isn't that an amazing thing to think that God invites us? But see, if we're going to experience the good life, it's not enough to just know there's an invitation. To experience the good life, you have to accept the invitation. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? All right, here's, here's what we got to do. Come to me, Jesus said. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms grace love how he puts that i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly i love how eugene peterson translates that because you hear this phrase with me over and over and over again he says come to me accept the invitation take the step towards me and begin to walk with me begin to work with me begin to watch how I do it. And see, what he's saying there is so huge. Jesus is saying, when you begin to walk with me, you can learn to live freely and lightly. When you begin to do life with me, you begin to understand that's what you're created for. And Jesus says, when you begin to walk with me, forgiven, free, you have peace with me, you can have peace with others, you can begin to live your life for that which you, you were created. And when you do that, you, you learn to experience the best life, to live freely. And to live lightly. See, I think that's a remarkable thing. 
that God invites us into that. And you know, I always wonder sometimes why people push back on that and don't, aren't willing to take the step towards Jesus. I mean, good grief, what an invitation. Who wouldn't want to be invited to that party? You know, how many of you have ever been not invited to something and you got your feelings hurt? Is it just me and my awkwardness in middle school? You better invite me to your party. You know, it's just something about that. We, you know, we can't always go to everything people invite us to, but it's nice to be invited, isn't it? And then when we don't get invited to something, sometimes it hurts our feelings. Well, God doesn't, you know, God doesn't invite some people and not others. He invites everybody. doesn't matter who you are, or what your past is, your present, what your future may be. God invites us all. And that's good news for flunkies like us, right? See, this is the good life. It begins with an invitation, but Jesus says, you've got to accept it. I've done everything necessary for you to be forgiven and free, but you have to take that step of faith towards me. And that's what's so cool about baptism, watching Mason and Carson today be baptized, because they've taken Jesus up on that offer. And I wonder today, how many of us still have yet to take up Jesus' offer? But I love what he says here. The good life is this invitation we must accept, but he also says this, that the good life requires rhythm. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I like the idea of rhythm because life without rhythm is kind of bad, isn't it? Have you ever seen people dance? Now, 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 you know, dancing, when you see somebody that has rhythm, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? And how many of you know it looks so easy? You know, and, and you know, but how many of you have ever seen somebody dance that lacked rhythm? Okay, if you've taken a Zuma class, you've seen it. And ladies, you will lie to one another. There's some girl in there, man, she doesn't have any rhythm. She looks like she's having a muscle spasm. And, and, then, the, and the ladies are in there going, girl, you are on fire. I'm like, man, somebody needs to put her out. Put her out. <laughs> Literally put her out. My goodness, she's going to hurt something, you know. And, and it's the same thing, you know, at weddings, you know, there's always somebody out there that thinks they're this great dancer, and they're not, you know, and um, that's why I don't dance. Now, I have rhythm, like I can keep time with music and all that. I'm good with that. I can play a little bit of music, play the guitar a little bit. I, I've always been fine with that. I can clap in, in, in time. I'm not like the people that are going, it's like, no, man, it's like this, you know. I can do all that, but, you know, when it comes to dancing, it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. And Becky tried that. Becky is a, my wife, Becky, is a fantastic dancer. You should ask her to show you some dance moves sometimes. But she's a fantastic dancer, and she loves to dance. And my dad is a great dancer, too. And so if they're ever at a wedding, we're at a family event, and there's dancing, they're going to dance together because Becky doesn't ask me anymore. But she asked me one time to do one of those cha-cha things and one of those electric slides, and when they're going this way, I'm always going backwards. When they're going to the right, I'm always going to the left. They go forward, I'm going backwards, I'm turning around. I don't know what I'm doing. And I just go get some cocktail weenies and some crackers at the buffet and let them dance. I'm terrible at it. I mean, you know what it is. You know, dancing without rhythm, whoo, that's bad, right? It's the same thing about music. Don't you appreciate our musicians, our band here today, you know? Now, I love what they do, and I appreciate what they do. And it's fun to watch what they do because there's so many people doing so many different things, okay? And so you have the guitars, you have the drums, you have the bass, you have all that kind of stuff, the keys, and you have people singing. And, like, you can't have everybody, everybody doing a free-for-all because that's not music, is it? That's noise. But when they play in sync and in rhythm with one another, it's beautiful, isn't it? And you know what they have to help them do that? They wear these little things called in-ear monitors. You may notice them, they have these little headphone things. And what that does, it allows them to hear the, the musicians they want to hear. So they, if they want a little bit of guitar, a little bass, this stuff, they dial in what they want to hear in their ears. And they've got all some personal preference on what they do with that. But one thing that is going on in, in everybody's ears is the metronome, what's called the click track. 
and just click, click, click. And if you listen to it, I'm like, how do y'all get used to that? But it's just like, duck, duck, duck. and it's just keeping that thing going at a certain beats per minute. Because why? To make beautiful music, you have to be in what? Rhythm. You have to be in sync. You have to be in rhythm. And I'm just here to tell you, you know, Jesus says this. He says, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Doesn't that sound like rhythm? Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Come on, people. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. One more time. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. That's pretty good. (laughs) Maybe we'll try some dance moves next week. (laughs) I love that. And think about life without walking in rhythm with Jesus is really a noisy life. And maybe that's why some of us are so frustrated today. See, we've got to learn to keep rhythm with Jesus. And what does that mean? Keeping rhythm with Jesus says, will you walk with me? What does that mean? We put him first. We prioritize him. We yield our lives to him. That we're doing life with him day to day. That Jesus is not an add-on or an accessory. You know, we've got closets full of accessories. We kind of wear one one day and one not. You know, I like socks. I like funky socks, so I'll buy socks, you know. And, and, you, and you, sometimes we just, you know, you won't wear some for a long time. And you, oh, these are new socks. And we do that with accessories and add-ons. Jesus is not an add-on. He's like, do life with me. Walk with me. And he says, as you're walking with me, that's going to look like this. Work with me. Now, what does that mean? Work with me means the idea of submitting. When Jesus talked about in the original language the idea of putting that yoke Take my yoke on you. It means submit to me. Yield to me. Don't resist me. Follow where I'm leading. And you know, being a follower of Jesus, a disciple literally means that. It's a learner. It's a follower. And we're called to work with Jesus. To begin to say, Jesus, wherever you're going, whatever you want in my life, if you say go this way, I'm going that way. If you tell me to avoid this and prioritize this, I'm all about it. I'm going to work with you, not against you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to work with you. And I love this idea. I'm going to watch Jesus does it. I'm going to see the things that he cares about. I'm going to learn the things that he values. And I'm going to apply them to my life. You know, this is why we preach all the time. And you hear us sound like a broken record of saying, get involved in a small group of people studying the Bible around a house, around a home, or around a restaurant, around a meal. It's so important. It's so important for us to be in, in, in reading the Bible and learning to, to know it. And there's so many great translations now that help it be understandable. You know, we need to learn these things so we can begin to apply it. Because see, when Jesus said it that day, they literally could physically walk with him. Because he had not gone to the heaven, gone back to heaven after the resurrection. Now Jesus is present with us. He lives in us for those of us who are believers. But, you know, we have to go to God's word to kind of learn what it looks like to live life the way Jesus wants us to. But see, keeping rhythm with Jesus, he's like, look, you've got to walk with me daily. Work with me, yield to me. And begin to watch how I do it so you can begin to learn and apply it because that's how you bring value to life. That's how you find this good life. Because when you begin to walk with me, Jesus says, you can begin to live freely and lightly. But the key to this whole thing is this idea of keeping company. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Get your life in rhythm and sync with me, which means it's going to be repeated and consistent. It's not a one-time step and then walk away and think of Jesus as an add-on. It's consistency, repeated. That's what rhythm is. And he says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do life with me. Walk with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that's our bottom line today. You know, I'm telling you, this is such a cool thing to think about. But it's such an easy thing to miss. 
Because it's going to be very easy for everybody in this series. And if you tuned out, just listen in for a minute. Because it's going to be very easy in this series for everybody to say, okay, this is self-help. Yeah, okay, I need to take up Jesus' value, so I need to prioritize my family. Check. Okay, I need to be a good neighbor. I need to do the right thing. Great, great, great. Got all those things. And then miss this idea. And listen, you can go, you know, prioritize your family, and that's going to be a good thing, right? Absolutely. You can go and do the right thing. That's a good thing. It makes life better. If more people in our world would do the right thing, things would be better. And, uh, you know, if we were going to, you know, prioritize being a good neighbor and serving our, those that we come in contact with, things would be much better. Absolutely. There's benefit in that. But if you miss this idea of keeping company with Jesus, and if I miss that, if we miss this idea of walking with him, we've missed everything. Because this is what it's built on. Jesus did not die on the cross to give us a moral code to live by. He died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be set free, so that we could have a relationship with him. That's why he did it. Now, does he call us to go in certain directions and morals? And of course, we're going to talk about that next week. But he didn't come here to die just to teach us some stories or, or to tell us some things or do some miracles. He came to set us free. And living freely and lightly comes from knowing that we're forgiven and free in Jesus. And that happens when we simply come to me, Jesus said, when we accept that invitation. Because, see, you got to understand, the good life isn't accidental. It's intentional. It's intentional. You don't bumble your way into this life. It demands a response. Jesus said that in Matthew 7. Let me read this passage. Jesus said this. He said, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. In other words, it's not an accident. We're going to demand a choice. And then he goes on to say this at the end of Matthew 7. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. He says, you're like a stupid carpenter. And I'm so thankful he uses that word. I'm not afraid of that word. There have been times I've done a lot of stupid things in life. Who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. You see, Jesus says, look, this is an accidental. It demands a response. I've died for you. I've done everything necessary. I invite you. You want to live, learn to live freely and lightly? You want the best life? Then come to me. Come to me for forgiveness. Come to me for freedom. Come to me to find peace. But you're going to have to walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. It requires rhythm. Just like our hearts have to beat in rhythm to live. You ever notice if, if your heart keeps keeping time, you are dead. How many of you know that? A couple years ago, I had this regular heartbeat. I had a real slow one because I raced bikes. And it, would, and it started going like this. Bump. Bump. Bump, you know, and I had to go get it checked out. My heart was out of rhythm. And they had to give me some things and it kind of sorted itself out. But that's a little scary. You know, if your heart is out of rhythm, you have no life. And it's the same thing. Jesus says, you walk with me. You work with me. You watch how I do it. And how many of you ever noticed, you got to be intentional about rhythm. You got to count to do rhythm. I know I've seen you at the, listen to that. I've seen you, I've seen you in your car. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I get it. But you got to have a little more than that, you know, because there's a lot to disrupt rhythm in life. 
Sin gets in the way. Our self gets in the way. Jesus, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to work with you today. Distractions, the things our culture throws in front of us, these little trinket kind of ideas about what life is, that kind of gets in the way. Getting our priorities out of whack. and Trying to do life simply by ourselves without Jesus, thinking Jesus is an add-on. He's in our hip pocket and we'll pull him out when we need him. I mean, that, those kind of things disrupt the rhythm that we need in life. And you see, Jesus says, don't let things knock you out of the rhythm because if you walk with me, you can learn to live freely and you can learn to live lightly. What an incredible, incredible invitation. And so he ends this way. We read it again. This is for you and me today. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? And then come to me. Get away with me, Jesus says, and you'll recover your life. You'll find your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you how to really live the good life. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And you see, when Jesus said that, the background of that was a farming metaphor of this thing called a yoke. I don't mean an egg. Right? I mean a yoke. You know what I'm talking about? They would put oxen together and they would wear this thing. Jesus says, you got to take that on. Take my yoke on and, and do that. You know what they would do back in that day? If you, had, if you were a farmer and you had an inexperienced ox, a young ox, maybe strong but inexperienced, they would yoke that ox together to the experienced one. And they would walk together. And they would learn to work together. Because the younger, inexperienced one would watch how the older one did it. And Jesus is inviting us into that. Come to me. I'll save you. And we'll begin to work together in the direction that I want you to go. And we'll, you'll begin to watch and learn. And as you do that consistently and repeated, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. You'll begin to learn freely, learn to live freely and lightly. And that's what we all want. Everybody in this room wants to live the good life. But the question is, are we living out that rhythm? Are we walking with Jesus today? Because remember, walk with me, Jesus says, and you can learn to live freely and you can learn to live lightly. And so here's the question today. Two questions. Have you accepted Jesus' invitation? Chances are somebody here has not. That there's never been a time in your life, maybe you've been to church, maybe you've heard things about Jesus, but there's never been that time you said yes to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I, I'm, I need your forgiveness. I need to be saved. I want you in my life. If you've never done that today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray in just a moment to do that. Take that step. What on earth prevents you from accepting an incredible invitation? have life with Jesus and to experience freedom of knowing we're forgiven and knowing we're right from God and knowing we're secure in God and we have a home in heaven one day. And in the craziness that goes on in our unpredictable world, we don't have to fear all that because God's in charge and he holds up. Why would we not want that? And Here's the question for the rest of us. Are we walking in rhythm with Jesus? Or are we out of sync? Has Jesus been an add-on to our life? Are there sinful things that have shown up, wrong priorities, wrong values, wrong things there that need to go? Hey, our God is a gracious God, and what we can do today is take the step and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need to be free from that. And God will do that. Maybe today is the day to say, you know what? I need to take some steps. I need to change some things because it's not working. And I need to put Jesus back number one in my life and begin to walk with him, work with him, and begin to watch how he does it. Maybe that could be your step today. But whatever it is, we have to understand today, life begins with this idea. The good life begins with this one idea, which was the idea that you and I were created, is that we are here to walk with Jesus. We're not here for religion. The world's got enough of that. 
We're here for relationship with the Savior of the world. And that's the opportunity we have. So will you accept that today? Will I accept that? Let's accept that and learn the unforced rhythms of God's grace. Walk with me. Work with me. What? Watch how I do it. So bow your heads today. If you're here today and honestly you would say, I've, I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. I've never taken God up on his invitation. Maybe you're not even sure, but you want to be sure. You want to make that decision today. If that's you, just right where you are, silently, just pray, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And today I believe with everything in me that you died on the cross to pay for my sins and you rose again so that I could live. And today I'm trusting in you to save me and I invite you, Jesus, to be my Savior and Lord. With nobody looking around, if that was your prayer today, would you just slip your hand up so I could see it today? See that? Anybody else today? I see that hand. Anybody else pray that prayer? I see that hand. Awesome. Three people today. Wonderful. That's great. And for those of us who are here today, maybe today we need to say, you know, it's time for me to get back in rhythm with Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I've been fine, but Jesus has been kind of like an add-on, and there are things in my life that are not right. If there are things that are not right right now, just confess that to God and ask for his forgiveness. And maybe ask God for the courage to make the steps, to make the change that we need to make. And make that commitment today to walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Anybody make that commitment today? Anybody pray that prayer? Anybody got a hand? I see those hands today. Anybody? Wonderful. Father, we are so thankful today for the start of this series and to look at the foundation of this, the idea of walk, of work, and watch, this idea of these unforced rhythms of grace. Father, I pray we would never settle for anything less than your best in this life. Father, we thank you for loving us enough to come to this world to die for us on the cross. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you, Father, for these who've made this decision today. Father, we're thankful for those uh, who've made decisions to trust you as Savior and Lord. For that, Father, for those who've made the decision um, to, uh, to get back in rhythm with you. And so, Father, as we go, Father, help us to do that. Help us to walk daily with you and to enjoy the process and experience your freedom and your forgiveness, living life the way you designed. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we give you the praise. And until we meet again, we ask your blessings on each person. In Jesus' name, we ask this prayer. Amen.